Boss Uncaged is a weekly podcast that releases the origin stories of business owners and entrepreneurs as they become uncaged trailblazers. In each episode, our hosts, S.A. Grant and guests construct narrative accounts of their collective business journeys and growth strategies. Learn key success habits and how to stay motivated through failure, all while developing a boss uncaged mindset. Break out of your cage and welcome our host, S.A. Grant. Welcome, welcome back to Boss and Cage Podcast. Today, we have a special treat. Now, on this show, we've talked about business strategy. We talked about solutions. We talked about all these different factors of just business. But today, we're going to go really deep into fintech. And I'm not going to bust the bubble to define what fintech is as of yet. But I'm going to deem our person that we're interviewing today the fintech boss for obvious reason. So Tristan, why don't you go ahead and tell our audience a little bit more about who you are and what you do. Uh, thanks for having me. Um, so who am I? Um, it's, it's, quite, um, it's quite complicated. I do many things, uh, but yeah, a lot of things around FinTech. Uh, mm-hmm. I've been passionate about uh, innovation in, in finance for quite a while. I uh, worked in, in finance for yeah, a few years. I'm not. I'm not that old. I was going to say like for many years, but it's not many, many, many years. Um, but yeah, I do like do like everything that that uh, touches on on innovation finance. So as uh, as you were alluding to, I run it on online media on fintech called Fintech Review. I advise fintech startups. I'm working on my own fintech startup right now. So um, a lot of fintech stuff. Nice, nice. So I think we busted the bubble and we used that keyword about a dozen times so far. Fintech, 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 right? So obviously, you know what fintech is. I know what fintech is. Well, let's kind of like tell the story of fintech a little bit. Let's just take it back. So some people may see fintech as like, what, I never even heard that before. Like, what, what is the meaning of that? Some people may say, you know, the first fintech device was probably an ATM. Some people may say is PayPal, is Amazon. So what is your definition of fintech? Yeah, no, you're right. That it means many things to to many different people. Um, well, fintech is financial technology, so it is technology to uh, to like to do to do finance stuff. But for me, it is really about innovation um, in in financial services. So it is not only fintech startups. Or I was going pay, PayPal is not a startup, but it's not only companies like Stripe, PayPal, uh, it, it is broader than that. As you say, ATM was probably one of the first mm. uh, financial innovation, financial technology application. But for me, it's, uh, I look at it, um, I look at the intersection of business, economics, um, and finance and technology, obviously. So innovative business models, for instance, for me, this is fintech. It's it's looking at at how you can solve people's needs, like business uh, business and individuals, using technology applied to to finance. Nice, nice. So let's take it back a little bit, right? So, if you could define yourself in three to five words, what would those three to five words be? I'm a strategist, so my background in corporate strategy. I'm an entrepreneur. So that's two. Um, I'm French. That's three. It's uh, 
cultural, so I swear a lot, and you know, it's I'm very direct. Uh, so that's three. Uh, I'm quite curious about life. You know, what is happening? I'm not the kind of people that will say I don't want to know. I want to know. I want to know like how things work. Um, so yeah, that's I, I guess that these are the words that come like to nice. me. If I have to choose. So, so one of the things you just say, you, you said you, you were natural born Frenchman. So let's talk about where you are right now. I mean, a Frenchman living in Spain, like how does that, I know that regionally is close, but how does that happen? Yeah. So I studied, I studied in, um, in France. I went mm-hmm. to business school in France, but I grew up partly in, in Jordan. So in Middle East. So I spent, uh, four years when I was younger. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when, when, I started studying. I, I went back to, to Jordan, did an internship. I studied in, in the Netherlands. I studied economics there. Mm-hmm. And when I graduated, I actually moved to London um, to work in, in finance uh, because it's a big financial place. So I was like, you know, this is where I need to go if I want to learn mm-hmm. everything about finance. So I was there. Um, and yeah, after a few years in London, I was like, you know, I want to have uh, to be in a city. It's still dynamic like in terms of business environment, but a bit nicer uh, way of life. So I moved to Barcelona where I felt it was a good combination between uh, a city that has a lot, of, a lot to offer, you know, to do business, lots of startups, lots of investors, a good ecosystem, but you're by the beach. So that's, nice. uh, that's a good combination for me. Nice, nice. So let's, let's keep moving back in, in the story a little bit. So, I mean, obviously you're a Frenchman. You're, you're, you're highly analytical because obviously you're talking about technology. You're talking about finance. Like, were you that type of kid? Were you the kid that were always, you know, counting the cash and counting the money and, and breaking computers apart? Like, what kind of childhood, like, what kind of kid were you? Yeah, I mean, well, also, like, the fact that m- my dad uh, was a lot into, like, investing and mm-hmm. buying stocks and, and so he, told, he was telling me all about like you know, stock market, and I was asking questions, obviously. So he was encouraging this kind of uh, curious curiousness about like life. So um, yeah, I would say, oh, you know, what is this stock doing? Oh, yeah, no, blah, blah, blah. And, and oh, the economy and stuff. So that's kind of drove me to to study finance and, and economics. And at the same time, as you say, I was a nerd. So uh, one of my first job was to build computers, like or uh, uh, a shop that was selling computers. So I was just assembling computers and then they, they would sell them. So um, yeah, I guess I had, I had the two, I, I was doing FinTech, I didn't know, like, you know, I was interested in finance and I was I was interested in technology. Mm-hmm. Um, so logically now I'm, I'm in FinTech. Hmm. I, I think that is very interesting because I mean, obviously, you know, I always like to go back because you, when you think about it and you ask these questions and you kind of reflect back on it, obviously the reason why you are where you are right now is because coming from a childhood background, your dad was into stocks and you were messing with computers and you combine them together and that's what fintech is today. So with that, right, on this journey of becoming more and more in the influencer space of understanding fintech, you're probably dealing with a lot of A-type personalities from corporations. You're probably dealing with, like you said, some nerds that kind of, they know it all. They know how they want things particularly done systematically. How have you been able to to manage these different type of personalities in your business? Yeah, so I, um, 
I got interested in fintech because, as I said, I was working in corporate strategy for a, a mid-sized bank called Virgin Money, like you know Richard Branson, uh, the guy I went to space last weekend. Um, and my job was very much to understand what was going on in fintech, what startups were doing, what the innovation was doing, the, like to know the impact it could have on on our business. So from a strategy point of view, and also in my last role there, I was developing strategic partnerships with fintech startups and big technology companies. So I was on the side of corporate trying to understand what was going on, the startup trying to match it because uh, when you try to develop a, a, a joint venture or, or partnership with a business that is much smaller, working di- very differently, you need to understand how they work. You need, mm-hmm. to, you need to explain them to them how you work. So I, I had like... It was really nice to try to understand how different parts of financial services work and what are the pros and cons for working with, with startups. And so very different profiles, as you can imagine, like uh, you have a young guy like running a startup and on the other hand, you have like all the execs that run like you know, a very specific part of the business and time is slow in corporates where you're like, oh yeah, we'll talk in two weeks, schedule something in my diary mm-hmm. and then you need you need five meetings to get to like some sort of decision. Six months have, have passed, and on the other end, you have startups. In the meantime, they've launched five products, and then they like the team has changed, and they've gone from we're three in our garage to we're we're thirty five. So nice. it's different pace, different uh, backgrounds. You have technologists, you have business people. Um, I'm I'm a business person, but I understand quite. Well, the technology, you have technology guys that understand really well the business side of things. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, different different looks. Nice, nice. So, dealing just with general and the clients that, that you're dealing with, I mean, are you more so on the corporate side or are you more so startup or are you kind of like a hybrid between both? So, I'm, I'm advising uh, startups um, mm-hmm. just because... I feel they need more of my help than a corporate. Um, corporate usually, what what would happen if you do like advisory or consulting? They would be like, okay, fine. Do you have a team to do this big project and yeah. blah blah? And it's whereas uh, um, I feel you know with startups, every little helps. Is that okay? You know, I've seen you're doing this wrong. Uh, like you should consider this or. Or they're just, okay, how do I go to markets? And you're like, okay, well, take these steps to go to markets. Um, mm-hmm. So I feel I, I add more value working working with startups uh, than nice. I would with, uh, with a typical corporate. Nice. So, I mean, you, you mentioned about steps to, to, to marketing or steps to startup. So, I mean, obviously that, that would lead me to actually like, you know, like what systems do you have in place? Like if someone is coming to you, it's a startup and they're saying, hey, I have this new concept. It's, it's going to be a PayPal killer and I have some technology to support it. Like what's, what, what are you going to say to them next? Like how do you onboard someone coming at you like that? Yeah, I'll I'll ask a million questions. Um, that's usually you know, the the best way to understand. So mm. uh, let's let's have a long discussion. I'll ask you everything. So I'll ask you, okay, you know, what market research have you done? Who are your potential customers? You know, what's your business model? How do you go to market? You know, what's your stri- what's your marketing strategy? Like, I'll ask like a million questions. Uh, 
I'll usually find a few gaps. Uh, and it's it's also almost uh, you almost um, uh, you almost a shrink, right? You ask a lot of questions, and people by themselves they realize, oh, okay, you know, I'm missing this or I'm missing that. So that's that's the job, and then you help them figure out a few things by. But most of the time, people know, like they know what they should be doing, and then you you push a bit in in one direction, but. There, usually, if you if you go, you're an entrepreneur. You're not clueless, right? You know what you want to do. You know more or less how you want to do it. So then, it's about helping a bit. I want to do this marketing strategy, and you're like, okay, well, given your audience, it's probably not the right thing to do. So, mm-hmm. have you considered uh, more content, more whatever? So, um, so yeah, that's that's my approach. But I, I try to. To have like a flow, so it's a discussion. They trust what I'm saying. They, they see that I'm here, you know, to help. Rather that there are plenty of like frameworks and tools, and I I I know them and I use them uh, like unconsciously. But I'm not trying to fit like boxes because mm-hmm. box ticking exercise it's it's good. But then you have the tendency to try to fit something in a box. Mm-hmm. Um, even even if sometimes it doesn't fit in the box. Nice, nice. So I mean, that, that leads me into to another question. I mean, obviously, based upon what the way you just described it in your onboarding, it's essentially you give and take. You're asking questions and you're giving feedback. You're asking questions and you're giving feedback. But that didn't happen overnight. I mean, obviously, that's something that you had to evolve into, right? So someone that's listening to this podcast maybe looking at you like, okay, this guy's overnight success. I haven't heard of him before, but he knows his shit. I love what he's talking about. Shit, I want to get on a plane and, and fly over to Spain and work with this guy, right? But in reality, how long have you been on your journey? How long did it take you to get to where you are currently? So I I started doing so a corporate strategy in 2015. Um, so... Yeah, it took me, I would say it took me a solid yeah, two, three years, yeah, probably like three years to be confident in in, in my skills. Because um, you're obviously like, you know, I started as an analyst, so you, you listen in most of the time. Uh, but also, like, I think I've learned quite fast because I had classic, I had a good manager. Um, it was like, you know, I say you can ask whatever question in a meeting or like raise whatever issue is. He wasn't too much into, no, look, it's only the big guys that talk. And if you're in a meeting, you don't talk. He was very much, look, if you think there's something like relevant, just say it. Um, so this helped me build myself, my, my, my self-confidence in, in my abilities. And then over time, um, also, I mean, Obvious. I've read like millions of stuff, like books and and articles. Um, but yeah, like um, it, it's a lot around the the confidence that you have in 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 asking questions. Um, and my questions are are and and were not always right. And that's not the point. It's just like. The thing is, if you don't say anything, you won't you won't get an answer. Right? He said, "You're better off asking, and then and then someone will eventually answer." 
worst case scenario, someone is telling you you're dumb and like you shouldn't have asked this question. It was obvious. And you're like, okay, fine. Uh, but that's the worst case. Like, but if you don't ask the question or if you don't raise your hand and say, oh, I think this is wrong. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, it's not going to come up magically. No one is going to pick it, uh, pick it in your brain. Nice. So, I mean, based upon what you just said, it makes me think about, okay, well, a prime example of that is a lot of that needs to be learned, like a learned example, right? A lot of times, like you're saying, you wouldn't know to ask the question until you ask the question. So my next question to you, let's say you can go back in time, right? Is there one question that you would like whisper in your ears at a younger age, something that you would need an answer to that would help you get to where you are a lot faster if you could do it all over again? Um, yeah, that's, uh, yeah, I think, um, I mean, over time I've, I've learned to, to be like objective oriented. So, you know, I go into a meeting, I know, I know why, why we're having a meeting and what I want to take from it. Mm -hmm. So from a younger age, I would have told myself, look, be like organized, you enter, enter a meeting, you stay. This is what we're going to do. Um, well, this is a question we won't answer at the end of this meeting, mm. and we'll get to an answer. Um, so being very clear about the objective of whatever you're doing. Um, this, I mean, it, takes me a, it took me a bit of time to get to that point. Um, and I would have saved, I mean, I would have saved time, and, and probably a lot of projects would have gone faster uh, by, by being like, you know, being adamant that you need an answer to a question at every time and you need a result. Like you know, being we're not we're not just having a chat here, guys, where you know this is the objective, this is a result we want to get to. So let's let's get on and you for you force people to take decisions. Uh, because otherwise people are too comfortable not taking any decisions. That's definitely very interesting. And it makes me um think about, okay, well, like now you have that skill, right? Now you have that that trait. But I'm thinking like, even if you go back a little bit further, you were saying that your dad was helping you on like the stock journey because he was into the stock market and you would ask questions and, you know, whether it was about putting an option, whether it was about holding or, or buying or bear market, bull run, whatever it was, your dad was guiding you on that. So Looking back at your entrepreneurial journey, was there anybody else besides your dad was an entrepreneur that you had got additional insight? Maybe your dad, you got the, the financial insight, but where did you kind of get the entrepreneurial technology insight from? Um, yeah, so it's, uh, I got into entrepreneurship a bit, a bit randomly. Um, mm-hmm. I wasn't thinking about it. And then uh, uh, a mentor, uh, which is an old boss of mine, and we kept in touch. And mm-hmm. where uh, he, he's he's usually giving me his view on life, and he had been on a similar journey. So mm-hmm. after uh, after a few years in corporate, he, he launched his own own thing. So yeah, so he told me, you know what? Why don't you do it? Why don't you try? It? So mm-hmm. was the kind of same like a question is that. What what is stopping you from trying to do freelance consulting or you know, whatever? And it's true, like 
lot of people put themselves you put yourself barriers for everything you're like oh i can't do it or and you, the more you would talk to some people the more they will tell you it's, it's not possible mm-hmm. um and they'll be like no you can't you're not old enough or you don't have the relevant skills the relevant network the relevant whatever and so i would say you know don't go against all this this advice but take them with a pinch of salt um, and if you're confident enough that you're going to do it then just do it and you'll see and same as you know what we're saying learning from from doing something and you i was so i was like you know what i'll try mm-hmm. i'll try for for a while um if after a while i feel that uh i'm not getting where i want to go and i was putting myself kind of goals when i was saying being results oriented i was like okay after three months i want to be there after six months i want to be at that point and then i'll see after a year where i am but like and and see and think okay uh, if at three months i'm not i'm not where i want to be then i'll drop it and i'll do i'll do something else nice nice so i mean with that upbringing i mean you got the support from your dad you got supports from friends and mentors where do you right now how do you currently juggle like your work life or your work hustle with your family life um it's uh it's, it's a tough one where uh, i'm i'm lucky you know, i don't have kids yet um mm-hmm. so i just have my my partner we're getting married soon uh, a couple of months so i don't it's it's a bit hard because i'm trying to do anything at the same time and I'm trying to launch something which has I got traction and it's great, but um, you know when you start something, it's a lot of lot of work uh, and a lot of hours. Um, but so yeah, it's it's trying to put boundaries mm-hmm. in terms of okay, you know it is that time, so I'm I'm, I'm done um, and. Uh, okay, well, you know, this is the week. It's a weekend. I'm trying not to, because at some point I was going a bit too much. Uh, you know, working seven days a week and you work like all day, and it's not it's not sustainable. Or as you say, you need some kind of balance. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping that with time I can find even more balance when mm-hmm. when I feel like it's it's going better and and it's yeah there there is a bit more traction i'll try to find much more much more balance with uh, with disconnecting a bit because otherwise you i mean especially when it's your business you always feel there is something to do and yes. it's never ending it's it's never going to end very true very true so i mean that leads me to kind of think about like 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 how do you scheduling your day so what does your morning routine or your morning habits look like um so if i don't have a meeting uh, in the morning i wouldn't put an alarm so i would wake up you know, when i wake up usually it's not that i mean saying that i'm not waking up at 11 a.m but mm-hmm. it's uh i i just feel like it's better for my you know for my body and mental health i i don't wake up with the sound of an alarm but just wake up when i wake up uh, and so this is my routine then coffee um reading reading a lot so i spend a 
probably like every morning, yeah, an hour or two reading. So reading through through the news, like I have a million newsletter to keep mm -hmm. on on track of everything. Reading uh, what's going on because um, I feel I like can't do my my work uh, properly, like advising, but as well like writing for for my blog if I don't know what's going on. And so I, I spend a lot of time reading in the morning, um, and then I get on with with what I what I have to do, like depending you know, meetings and stuff. Um, but this is, yeah, my, my morning. And oh, and at least three times a week, I try to exercise. So before before like getting in, into the routine of reading, I would you know, wake up, have a coffee, mm -hmm. and then go for a run, cycle, whatever. But uh, try to exercise as well to to um, get, you know, get, get your mind a bit, uh, in a different gear um and i think it's it's quite important for me i think you brought up reading books twice i mean you brought it up earlier on an episode and you just brought it up again as your morning routine so like my next question is a, is a three-part question right um earlier on you talk about the books that you have read so the first question is what books have you read on your journey to help you get to where you are the second part of this question is what books are you reading right now and the third part is, have you had an opportunity to author or develop any books of your own? So um, when it comes to books, I'm, uh, so I'm a bit weird, like not weird, but I like to read philosophy because mm -hmm. um, I like in high school and after high school, I, I for me, like philosophy, like when you're writing a dissertation, mm -hmm. it's really, it's really like core skills that are useful now. It's like really asking questions and like going into a topic and trying to understand it and trying to to get to a point where it's actually more questions. It's not you're not looking for an answer; you're looking for questions. And I think this is super useful for what I do now with this adversary. So. I read a lot of, of philosophy over the years, like Plato, like more classic philosophy, mm -hmm. which helps me structure my brain. And then if if I don't read that, I read very practical books. I like books about strategy, books about finance. I like very like you know, yeah, practical business books. Um so uh one one great book is like uh it's, uh, I think, 10 articles about the strategy from Harvard Business Review. It's a really, really good one, like overview of corporate strategy. Um, and your last question, what am I, uh, no, second question, what am I reading now? I'm reading this one, like about Sprint. Um, it's called uh, Sprint, How to Solve Big Problems and Test New Ideas in Just Five Days. It's by nice. Jake Knapp, uh, um, a former guy from Google Ventures. So. I want to to know a bit like this, mm -hmm. um, and so I've I've contributed like bits, uh, just you know people being my brain on 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 quotes uh, like on reports, but I haven't I I, I wrote like a short ebook on on consumer finance, it's about like twenty pages, um, but yeah I think maybe I'll get to the point where I feel that I need to. Like write more uh, and and write a bigger piece. Uh, it could be could be interesting to uh, an interesting thing to do. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, definitely you're talking about philosophy, you're talking about technology, you're talking about finance. You know, seeing a combination between all three in one book would definitely be really interesting. So, I mean, that leads me to where do you see yourself 20 years from now? Ooh, 20 years is a, usually it's a five-year question. Um, but, I mean, funny enough, the five-year question the reason why I moved to Barcelona, I was like, what am I going to do like in five years? And I was like, am I still in London, like a bit more senior in the company? I was like, no. So then I moved. So 20 years from now, um, I think that, uh, you know, I don't, many people kind of plan for retirement. And for me, I just hope I will never retire. So just hope that, Somehow I'll still do something, you know, advising companies. Or you'll do it to a, later, a lesser extent, you know, mm-hmm. you don't work your, your software. You can be on an advisory board. You can be still, you know, writing books and stuff. So I feel like I'll still do some in 20 years from now. I'll still do something. I'll still maybe teaching, maybe like writing books, advising company. Um, I, I see myself, you know, doing that uh, for for the long run, um, keeping and you know keeping active um, and uh, still more or less in an entrepreneurial spirit. Um, yeah, maybe I have a, a part time. I'm doing a bit of teaching here and there at some business calls. Uh, I'm sitting on a few boards. Um, yeah, spending time with my future kids um all this kind of stuff would be uh, would be a good outcome in my in 20 years nice nice so i mean obviously you're talking about technology you're talking about finance and in, in, in any sector right whether it's it's technology by itself or it's finance by itself and even philosophy to a certain extent like there's usually some kind of systems behind and those systems are usually then supported by some kind of application or or software so my next question is like what software or applications do you use on a daily basis that you would not be able to do what you do without um so yeah i use i use i mean beside my my emails um i i use a, a tool called notions uh, notion quite good to organize like you do you can do kanban like you know organize like to-do lists and stuff mm-hmm. um then i use you know buffer to plan for social media market uh, social media mm-hmm. which was uh, which is a great tool you know to plan to plan content uh, across several platforms i couldn't do without it now um yeah a number of like then messaging tools so to talk to people keep keep things going you know whatsapp signal mm-hmm. uh, just to 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 maintain slack just to maintain contact and share ideas with people um so i feel it's super important like communication mm-hmm. between people um and then the thing is to really organize myself the, the one thing that i can't do without it's not a software it's my to the list on my on my uh, little pad, and this I can't. I can't live with that. I need to I need to plan my my weeks and my days, and take notes, and and have like all my stuff and, and tick them. And this is number one over like any software is that I need to be organized like my to do list. Otherwise, I cannot cannot really work 
without it. Nice, nice. So going into like, you know, obviously you're, you're big into philosophy, you're big into finance, you're big into technology. So a, a listener of this podcast, let's say they're about your age and they're hearing all these different facets of your life and they're like, they're, they're overwhelmed by what you're doing, but obviously you're doing it. So it's, it's, it's realistic for them to kind of see someone doing it. What words of wisdom would you give to them and influence them to continue on the journey of fintech? Um, yeah, I mean, as I was saying, you know, don't be afraid of doing stuff. Is that um, you? You'll always have people that tell you it's not it's not the right thing. You're not saying the right thing. You're not doing the right thing. But that's fine. I think you you will you will hear it a lot, but you will also have a lot of of people on the other side encouraging you, saying, "Oh, you're doing great." Uh, so you need to you need to uh, continue like being positive in the sense, like keep being motivated despite all all the negativities that can come your way. Uh, and yeah, I think I've learned it over the years that uh, people will always tell you give you reason not to do something much more that it would give you a reason to do something. So if you believe that what you're doing is right, then it's enough to get started. Um, and, and then you'll see, but um, perseverance um, is, is the big, big skill uh, for whatever you want to want to do in life. Um, and yeah, so yeah, keep on going. If if your goal is to I don't know start a podcast, then keep on going. If it's to start a blog, if it's to start a company, um, you you need to go for it. But as as I was saying about the question, is the same. Um, if you want to be an entrepreneur, well, if you don't do it, no one is going to do it for you. So you at some point you need to jump. You do it. You see how it goes. Um, and yeah. Try to pick people that are that you feel what they're saying is mm. is valuable, like you know mentors, informal ones or formal ones, but like anchor your decisions around like taking into account what they say. Mm. Um, if if like a mentor from forever tells you this is not a good idea, and then you ask a couple of other people that you really like trust and everything, and they tell you this is a bad idea. And at some point, you need to come up to, okay, well, this is a bad idea. But you will have, you will have friends and, and, and family, and they're, not, they're probably not the, the best one. I mean, some, some might be, but some of the best ones to bounce ideas or, or, or take big decisions based on what they say, because some of them will have a bias. Some, you know, some friends will will not want you to succeed too much, even though they will not tell you. But so you, you need to balance these this things and take the decisions based on you know, what information you have. But at some point, yeah, you, need, you just need to go for it. Nice. Very nice. So going into bonus questions, right? Uh, this particular question, I'm very interested to see what you're going to say. But if money wasn't a factor, which is kind of asinine considering that you're in finance, right? But if money wasn't a factor, would you still be doing what you're doing right now? Um, yeah, I think I'll still be, I'll, I'll spend more time actually writing. So 
spend uh, a lot of time you know writing and, and reading much more mm. um but yeah it's actually uh i had this discussion once with a uh, with a couple of friends which is okay like the the big the big um as you say, if money was in the factories, the big thing is like, okay, if you if you win the lottery tomorrow, are you still going to are you still doing the same thing, or you're mm. completely doing something completely different? Mm. Um, and I'll I think I'll still do more or less the more or less the same thing if money was in the factory, minus you know some aspects. Uh, I, I wouldn't care as much. Um, for instance, you know. I wouldn't care as much in driving the traffic to to my website and and being active on social media. Maybe I would be more okay. I just want to write and and read, and mm-hmm. while I'm writing a book, or I'll, I'll spend much more much more time about like trying to develop my skills. Less time about trying to want like trying to develop myself to get more revenues eventually. Because if when he's in the factors and you don't care about this, this aspect. Very nice. Very nice. So another bonus question for you. All right. And this one, I'm kind of interested to see who you're going to say. Cause I mean, obviously on the finance side, it could be anybody on the tech side. It could be anybody on the philosopher side. It could be anybody, right? If you could spend 24 hours with anyone dead or alive, right? Uninterrupted for those 24 hours, who would it be and why? It's a good one. So, so for me, there are, there are two people that come come to. No, I actually probably probably three. So they're they're a bit different. So Warren Buffett on the finance side because I think he's an interesting block. So mm-hmm. I'd like to have a chat with him. I'm not sure twenty four hours because he's he's a bit old. So I'm not sure uh, I'm not sure how much. Which you're doing with uh, with him in three four hours. Um, I like Dwayne Johnson. Like he looks like a cool dude. Uh, so I have to have a chat with him. You know, have, have a drink and and see a bit his perspective on life. Mm-hmm. Um, and then then the third one is same. He looks like a really cool guy. It's uh, George Sampier. I really like him and GSP. So. Um, yeah, Here. if I could, so I'd, I'd like to have a chat. Different reasons, right? Warren Buffett because he, he seems brilliant, and mm-hmm. the two others because they seem like good blokes. So uh, I'd like to have to to see. Actually, it's to see if they're real, uh, as nice as they seem to be, and yep. then just see by myself. So that's that's why. Nice. I mean, yeah, I mean, your three is definitely, definitely sound, uh, you know, Warren Buffett. I think anybody wants to spend time with Warren Buffett now, 100 years from now, just because of what he's achieved. Uh, and The Rock and, and St. Pierre, I mean, it's kind of it's interesting, right? Because The Rock was a wrestler and St. Pierre, you know, he was the MMA champion for like for a period of time there. And he I mean, he's not a guy that you want to run into in a bar and piss off. So it's just kind of seeing the way your brain thinks is definitely very interesting. So going into closing, man, I always, you know, if I'm interviewing someone, I always like to give them an opportunity to interview me. So the microphone is yours. And what questions do you have for me? Oh, I'll have, uh, actually, I have the same question. Who who you spend uh, 24 hours with? So it's funny because, I mean, obviously I flipped that before and I've gotten that question asked, you know, dozens of times. And, you know, I give unique answers based upon it. But for right now, I would think 
Elon Musk is, is still my top choice for right now, just because of where he is. And to your point, like he was into fintech, right? And now he's into space and he's into batteries and he's into technology, he's into cars. He's into all these different variables. And to his mind, all of it makes sense. To the outside world looking in, it's kind of like, what the hell is this guy thinking? So to sit down with him for 24 hours to just understand, like, how did he go from payment processing to space? Like, obviously, I think he had a path from point A to point B from day one, just knowing what I know of him. And I just want to know, like, how the hell do you conceive that to get here? Cool, cool. And so if you, if you had to recommend one book, what, what would it be? The one book that I would recommend is a book that um, the five second rule and that, that book is just, it, it just makes sense for any entrepreneur. I think we are all hit with these hurdles to where we're confronted with an obstacle or a mental block or a hurdle. And the five second rule is a simple task. You just have to look whatever it is you're about to face, no matter how big or how small that hurdle may be. And you count down from five to one. And then after you hit one, there's no other objections. There's no other hurdles. You're just going to move forward and do whatever it is you need to do to get past that particular hurdle. That's a good one. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know if I have, uh, I mean, uh, I could ask you like many questions, but uh, could be, we could be here for another hour. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, shoot, it seems like you got a bunch more. Ask me another one. So, you know, what's, so you, let's say you're, you're an entrepreneur, you have, uh, you have an idea and you want to get, you, you believe this is a big idea. What's uh, what's your advice to that that entrepreneur? What what should they do? So if it's a, if it's a big idea, I mean, first and foremost, I, I'm a big believer in in like systems in place. So my first question is going to be like, who's the target audience? Like like what segmentation of the world are we communicating and talking to? And then we're going to have to figure out, okay, if it's only half a million people, how are we going to communicate with those half a million people? It's great that you have an idea. But delivering that idea and that value proposition to that particular segmentation of an individual person, that's the path with, we need to figure out that path with the least resistance. So if they can answer that question and we can kind of have a conversation about that, then, you know, we can move forward because now you understand that it could be a billion dollar, billion dollar idea, but if you don't have anybody to sell that idea to or to communicate that idea to, or even know how to communicate to them, then you're wasting your time. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Yeah. I mean, I think I'm, uh, as you say, the same. I'm a big, uh, big believer is that an idea is important for sure, uh, but then it's the execution that makes um, all the difference at the end of the day. Um, yeah, the iPad wasn't the first tablet, but uh, they smashed it. So at some point, it's it's a lot around. It, it's still innovation, like marketing technique innovation, but. Um, you know, execution of the idea matters much more. Yeah. Um, Apple is one of those companies that I think will go down in history for marketing products that, you know, are essentially outdated before they even come out. But everybody and their mom are dying for them just because of the branding behind them, really and truly. And not to say that Apple doesn't have great products, but usually by the time an Apple product comes out, Samsung is already kind of surpass them to a certain extent or you know another company may have better chips to a certain extent but nobody would outsell apple 
Yeah, no, true. I mean, I think I think they're marketing-wise and and branding-wise, they're they're really amazing because they have this. They've managed to to build this uh, this customer base that is just mad for products. So they release headphones that are okay, but then oh, you know what? They're gonna cost hundred fifty dollars, and people are like, oh, Jesus, it's a, it's a steal. <laughs> I'll get them. And you're like, but that doesn't make sense. Why are you doing this? I love them. Um, I need them. I want them. <laughs> yeah. No, it's Great. um, it's quite it's quite amazing uh, what the, the business has, and how they've evolved as well over time. It's like you reinvent yourself as as a business mm. to survive. Um, and not so many companies have done this like successfully. Like most of them, they haven't done it, and then they mm. died. Like you know, Kodak and Nokia. And, uh, like you're, you're not you're you. It's basically you're um, you're ignoring all the all the things. You know what I was saying is that you want to take a decision. You ask a few people and you take all the information and you take your decision. And I feel like all these companies, if they've had all the information and they were like, no, no, don't worry, we have the right we have the right path. I, I'm gonna ignore this this touchscreen phones. Uh, it's never gonna go go anywhere, and then you're like, okay. So um, yeah, no, it's definitely good good advice. Yeah, it's, it's definitely interesting that you brought that up because I mean, like Nokia, Sony, Sony is one of those companies. that's kind of like, you know, at one point in time, like they were the leading industry of media, right? Like they had great cameras, they had Walkmans, they had media devices, and then they kind of got outshined by other new inventions and new innovations that came over a period of time. But for some reason, out of all the brands that we're talking about, Sony is still like the unsung hero behind the scenes. They're still there. Like, they know they're not going to beat Netflix, so they purchase crap, right? And they, they, they're they like, okay, well, we're not going to really compete necessarily with, with Xbox to a certain extent, but they still have the Sony PlayStation, which is still an industry monster. So they have all these second and, and first, second, and third their layers of products that people don't really realize are still owned by that corporation of Sony. But they're not like the household name like Apple is today, which is definitely interesting. Mm. Crazy to think about it. But yeah, yeah. I mean, some some companies of uh, you know, same Microsoft. I mean, they they've, they've pivoted from you know, you're buying you're buying a thing now. It's all software as a service, but they're still there. Um, yeah. IBM has, has pivoted as well a lot from building computers to actually not building computers. So some companies are. When you have the right leadership and the right you know, systems framework in place to take into account how the market is changing, taking like very bold decision, like you know, you saying, okay, we'll just kill this historical business. I mean, IBM is saying we're not going to make computer anymore. Like we're going to sell our Lenovo business. You go, you're like, oh well, Nokia as well. Nokia now, I mean, they're they're trying to reinvent themselves and actually. They're they're bouncing back quite well in infrastructure tele, tele telecommunication, uh, but yeah, that's what you need to do, right? Is that if the market is is beating you up, then you need to adapt and and do something else. Yeah, well, I think on that note, man, I think that's a solid way to end this episode, right? And the words of wisdom coming from you more than once in this episode. I just wanted to say, man, I appreciate you taking time out your schedule. I appreciate all the information that, that you, you've given and even defining what fintech is for the people that don't know what fintech is. And again, I appreciate you being on here. 
Well, thanks for having me. I really enjoyed the chat. Great. S.A. Grant, over and out. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Boss Uncaged. I hope you got some helpful insight and clarity to the diverse approach on your journey to becoming an Uncaged Trailblazer. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, and share the podcast. If this podcast has helped you or you have any additional questions, reach out and let me know. Email me at ask at sagrant.com or drop me your thoughts via a call or text at 762-233-BOSS. That's 762-233-2677. I would love to hear from you. Remember, to become a boss in cage, you have to release your inner beast. S.A. Grant, signing off. Listeners of Boss Uncaged are invited to download a free copy of our host, S.A. Grant's insightful ebook, Become an Uncaged Trailblazer. Learn how to release your primal success in 15 minutes a day. Download now at www.bossuncaged.com forward slash free book.